0: Hi, and welcome to BOSS, a research podcast by CBS Sustainability. The name BOSS stands for the business of society, which is kind of a guiding principle for the work that we do. As the name suggests, we're interested in how business and society interrelate and what business responsibilities are towards society. In this podcast, we will share, discuss, and reflect on CSR and sustainability-related issues through conversations with researchers and practitioners. My name is Sarah. I'm Center Manager at Copenhagen Business School, and I'm the host of this podcast. Featuring our colleagues, we aim to inspire you to reflect and take part in the discussion on how to transition towards more sustainable practices for organizations and government and for you and me.
1: Welcome to this uh, episode um, of uh, BOSS podcast. Um, My name is Andreas Rasche. I'm a professor at Copenhagen Business School and it's my pleasure to have Natalia Popovich today, who is the founder of One Philosophy Group um, in Ukraine, to discuss with me the resilience of Ukrainian businesses. um, Very interesting data coming from a survey that was conducted very recently in Ukraine with around 30 business leaders. Very warm welcome to you, Natalia.
2: Thank you, Andres. Uh, It's great to be with you.
1: So we will be discussing research um, that um, you and your team, Natalia, have done which I think we can label overall as, as resilience of Ukraine businesses, battle for the future. Let me maybe start with a question of, um, you've done this very interesting and timely research on, on how business leaders reacted to the Russian invasion, how Ukrainian business leaders reacted to the Russian invasion. What motivated you to to do this research? I mean, which which main questions did you ask and why did you ask them?
2: Um, well, first of all, this research is a um, third annual uh, research of resilience of Ukrainian organizations and businesses that we are doing. Um, the first two happened during the times of the pandemics, which we thought were already you know, testing uh, the, the resilience of Ukrainian organizations. They did not have any um, previous entrepreneurship memories of uh, hundreds of years ago to guide them through that mm, peculiar challenge. But we felt that it was extremely important to record um, the management practices, the leadership practices of companies that are facing probably the biggest challenge of their life, which is the uh, largest war in Europe since World War II. Um, and as the resilience of Ukrainian companies and organization is undergoing this powerful stress, we felt it was important to put it into writing and put it into history, and maybe share it with other practitioners and, uh, and executives worldwide. Uh, Ukrainian businesses right now work under shelling uh, in extreme circumstances with uh, power outages happening uh, every single day with people who are working on extreme psychological um, stress, sometimes without heating, water supply. And, uh, you know, while in other countries, companies can calculate their profits for the last year, do their annual kind of reporting at the same time. Uh, Ukrainian business people have to calculate not just the numbers of uh, what they've managed to earn, but also the losses of lives uh, of their employees um, and the levels of support that they have to extend to support the Ukrainian economy functioning through this war. So while Ukraine is battling for for its future, while Ukrainian companies are struggling for uh, survival and for for life, um, and, you know, it's... um, this resistance that Ukrainians are showcasing that we felt was worth documenting and studying. That's why we decided to go ahead with this research this year in particular.
1: Okay, that's fascinating research, also because we know so little um, um, about what is actually going on within Ukrainian businesses. So it is a very unique data set um, you, you have created here. Um, be- before we move on to the results, can you can you maybe just briefly explain to the listeners here what is resilience in your perspective? Um, how do you define resilience? Because the entire survey was designed around this concept of resilience.
2: We define resilience as uh, the company's ability to not just withstand a certain shock, uh, which was the pandemics or is the war, but to what extent uh, companies and organizations can take at uh, the circumstances that they're facing. And uh, if possible, you know, to a certain extent, turn them to their advantage. So not just uh, survive and resurface. If we are thinking of analogy of uh, trying to swim in a storm, but actually be able to gain advantage by developing the muscles to be able to become stronger. Um, So this is what we are trying to um, discern in the in the course of this of this research, resilience from the perspective of one philosophy and our methodology that we developed over the past couple of years, which includes. Resilience radar, kind of as an assessment tool to measure resilience, includes looking at uh, particular pillars of it uh, that are demonstrated by any organization. And those are things like purpose, um, you know, why a company exists, uh, how do we perceive it? You know, does it really have a purpose? Um, the company's um, adaptability and the company's ability to innovate, those are two very critical elements that we are um, assessing. Uh, lots of innovations have become critical for companies to get them through pandemics and lots of innovations. Are helping them to get through the war, um, and then kind of three others um, um, that are very important and more customer facing are the strength of the brand, the brand trust before the crisis hits or before you know war happens, the team um, and how team interacts and, and to what extent uh, team is able to continue be a team even under the most Uh, You know, difficult circumstances and the strengths of the relationship with customers, even if the portrait of the customer is changing completely, which is happening with many of the Ukrainian companies right now. So those are sort of the questions and the pillars through which we have formed the questionnaire asking um, the leaders of businesses what has changed for them in how they communicate with their employees, what has changed them in in how they are communicating or addressing their new customers' needs. Uh, Have they found their innovations useful for the survival and existence of their companies? Uh, And also what keeps them going? Uh, Because every single day they're facing a new challenge that they need to resolve.
1: Thank you. Let's maybe move to, to the results. I mean, you you as indicated you've done very interesting research. What, what do you consider the, the main takeaway from the research? I mean, I know that there are many takeaways, but I mean, if you really had to condense it down, what should stick to business leaders also in other countries, you know, when they consume this research that you've done?
2: I think uh, one of the main takeaways is that um, the preparation um, of the organizations for um Uh, for a challenge like this um, is extremely important. And uh, those companies that we have spoken to, the ones that feel that they have done, if I can say well, even under this most terrible of circumstances, are the companies that have had good strategies of development before, those that that were looking at the more longer term uh, strategic trajectory of, of their companies. Those are also the companies that have been extremely transparent and uh, and led their business well and those who built significant trust towards themselves towards their brand even um, you know before the war uh, those have certainly helped you know companies survive through the most significant trials 86 percent of people uh, of that we've spoken to the managers that we've spoken to talked about the importance of strategy in in, in the interviews and of course, you know, many may change some tactical plans throughout the war, but their kind of big idea, the big purpose of their business stays the same. I just recall um, in an interview, Taras Chmut, he is the head of the charitable organization called Come Back Alive, and he noted that, you know, their work on strategy before the war and the fact that they had extremely high level of uh, trust of, um, you know, their, their customers to... Um, trust them, their funds, even before this war started. This is what built uh, basically their ability to do so much charitable help um, um, in, in 2022. Contributions to this organization's accounts just for your understanding increased from 30 million annually to 5 billion in just six months uh, because of all of the steps that they have had before. So being prepared is uh, is extremely important uh, takeaway from this.
1: That's uh, enormously interesting because of course this shows the importance of, of forward looking thinking, strategizing and it also kind of shows what, what we know from academic research in this area that trust is sticky i mean once you build it up it tends to stick your results also show you know that in times of war companies focus much more on 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 the team spirit maybe maybe that is not Precisely the right word, but this is at least um, when, when I've flipped through the results, is something that caught my attention. Companies support their employees in various ways. Um, they try to keep up a strong identification with the company. Uh, wh- why do you think have business leaders turn towards people management during times of war?
2: Well, I think it was very uh, clear for um, the business leaders that, um, the, regardless of the sector that they come from, that. You either have people and you have business or you don't have people and you don't have business. That it's not about your infrastructure because that infrastructure can very quickly in times of war become abandoned. Um, But it's about the people and their spirit and their ability to stay if needed and continue to operate those factories, to operate those plants, to continue to run these clinics and provide you know care for for the, for the customers and 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 if you're in a in a, a delivery business to be able to continue to deliver goods to customers even uh, under the most dangerous of circumstances so i think even more maybe yet crisply than uh, during the pandemic times it was this revelation that um, I think it was was it IBM CEO at some point that who said that you know your business is leaving your you you every single day uh, when people empty the parking lot of your um, organization right so this is exactly it people have. Um, in, in some uh, companies, if everyone would have evacuated, you know, uh, there would be no business left in Ukraine, basically. So I think many of the leaders that we have spoken to, they all talked about how important it to, was to reconnect with their people and understand who is able to continue work and be productive and be resourceful, even under the worst of circumstances. And I think that changed also the mode of communication and how people how leaders have communicated um in the times of war and i think this is also an interesting um, learning from from this research is that just like president zelensky has um, spoken to the ukrainian nation every single day sometimes few times a day transparently discussing what are our challenges and uh, uh, how um, the government is, is addressing them. Um, many of the CEOs have also taken on this kind of role of extremely transparent communication with um, uh, their employees, um, their colleagues, to be able to show that they're there, they're present, um, they're all in the same boat in a way, and uh, they're going to take the company, the organization, you know, society through uh, this challenge. So I think this... Timeliness, regularity, very often mode of of communication was prevalent all throughout 2022 for all of the resilient companies that we um, have spoken with. And then I think the third very important revelation here in regards to the team is um, clarity is extremely important in these dark times so um clarity of um, of knowing uh, the situation of a particular business in the times of the unknown and then also the clarity of, of purpose why it's important to stay and do what you do um, i think it was victor Frankl who talked you know years ago about his experience of going to a concentration camp and he said as long as you understand you know the meaning you can endure basically the worst of of suffering and the worst of of circumstances, which unfortunately Ukrainians uh, have to go through right now. Um, So leaders, I think, felt it necessary to help their colleagues to achieve clarity and to find meaning. And uh, clarity was necessary in terms of very basic decisions, like some people have found it possible to stay and work on the ground, and some had to move and and evacuate from the country to also stay productive and, and, and work so to creating these conditions, to ensuring that people have a place to stay, that they're clear about their compensation, that they, um, that they can continue to be productive was extremely important. And then another part of, of, uh, of that clarity was around purpose. So that's why we saw in cases of Astarta, uh, the big agriculture company, in case of Dubrobo, to the big medical clinic, in case of On well, Philosophy, in case of many other companies where, for example, the business was going down but the founders wanted their people to stay productive in charity, in informational, in non-profit type of work, so that um, their talent could still be used to, um, you know, to support um, the country and the society. So providing these opportunities to do meaningful things, even in times when you lose all of the meaning during war, I think was very important um, important way to sustain the teams.
1: Purpose is a is a really interesting um, topic um, because it is so much discussed also in the management literature at the moment, right? Everybody thinks purpose is is very important. Did you see a shift between times of COVID and times of war? You know that companies really significantly redefined their purpose and also, of course, acted then um, on this purpose.
2: I think already at least in Ukraine and in our research of of uh, the resilient um, um, businesses. Um, in the times of pandemic, uh, we already saw that trend emerging. That more of the leaders of very successful companies in the country uh, were more and more purpose led. So they were more and more redefining that bigger meaning of what they were doing uh, for their employees, for their you know for, for their teams. We we saw that trend. I think where that trend has changed even more in 2022 for the Ukrainian businesses is looking at your purpose wider than your business and, and understanding the role that the business has to play in uh, the ultimate survival and success uh, of the of the country, of, of the war effort. So I think um, in many ways that has even further changed uh, the horizon of, of the leaders and made them be responsible not just for uh, a bottom line, uh, but more, much more so for how a um, company can take on a bigger responsibility to um, help and support people around them in their communities. And and there we saw these um, amazing examples of uh, companies working more or less in the first quarter of the war, so March through uh, May, um, sometimes without any like properly functioning. Um, accounting and reporting because goods were moved services were provided people were fed deliveries were made based on trust because people needed them and that was really unprecedented something that even during pandemics we have not we have not witnessed so i think the purpose is now much much more connected it was a bigger level of responsibility
1: your research also shows that that the war has changed the awareness of business leaders own role within the country or vis a vis um Ukraine as 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 such. In which ways do you think has the war changed their perspective on, on Ukraine um as a as a country? Is this something that you that you see in the data?
2: I think it's it's an interesting uh, one because it's it's a continuous trend, and for me, it's sort of like a maturing and growing up of the Ukrainian business sector as is uh, emerging, still very heavily traumatized post Soviet, uh, you know, country. Um, so during the pandemics, the interesting thing that we saw was that when the borders were shut down because of the pandemics, we already saw that very many Ukrainian businesses, for example, maybe for the first time understood that um, you do need to invest in your own country. You do need to invest into your own supply chains. You can not only be responsible for the traps of not being able to, to provide goods, let's say, from China or other places, right, in some critical areas, but also for the fact that um, businesses need to take a slightly bigger responsibilities, at least for things like public health and hospitals. This was very, very evident in um, the time of pandemic. Now, can you imagine scaling that to uh, an appreciation and all of a sudden understanding by Ukrainian businesses the level to, of, of the need to invest in army, to invest in the security, to really understand geopolitics around us, which became so evident when Russia attacked Ukraine, um, that we as a country need to have the means to be able to sustain our national security. Uh, so on many levels, and uh, we know the background of Ukraine, we know um and the situation was not everyone paying taxes in Ukraine, you know, properly and fully in in um, you know b- before the war. So I think now there, there was this interesting shift of the business leaders saying that they expect Ukraine to emerge uh, as a different society. with each of us realizing that you know Ukraine truly is our country and uh, we are responsible for it? I think Ihor um uh, he's from the Effective Investments Group. He put it very eloquently, kind of saying that. I want to emerge and know that it's not just me, but others who are um, paying taxes, financing army, because it protects our families. And, um, you know, really, we did not lose in the first weeks of war only because our our whole society had that level, you know, on the path of self-awareness. But I think it is so important that the businesses realize that, that level of responsibility too, because it takes it to a whole other level. And maybe in some ways, Ukrainian businesses now are slightly some green businesses are slightly ahead also of many multinationals who, for example, do not understand that geopolitical dimension of it yet, because we know of so many companies that continue to operate in Russia, for example, right? So I think in that in that in that way this is a very hard won lesson, you know, with a terrible price. But um to me it seems like a maturing of the business environment.
1: Is this also you think, I mean quite recently in the press you've you read a lot about uh, a crackdown on corruption in in Ukraine um right I mean led by president zelensky and and also others um do, do you think that that this is connected to this um to what we were just talking about here you know that that people become more aware that they actually need a responsible and and more balanced society also uh, in in order to withstand um such such a long-term pressure maybe also?
2: I think it's, a, it's now it's sort of all is a culmination of many processes. One thing is the maturing of the Ukrainian civil society, which has been you know, taking place in the last, you know, all the years of Ukraine's independence, uh, which has been tracking and leading towards much higher transparency and higher expectations of businesses to give back to the um, state, uh, basically that gives them a, a, a license to operate. At the same time, I think the war, of course, and the level of sacrifice of lives of the Ukrainian soldiers and the armed forces of Ukraine is another very important and big dimension that kind of, in many ways, disciplines business. Because those who have a chance to operate uh, in the economy, they're basically privileged to do so just because somebody else is paying the ultimate price. And I think there is this uh, growing responsibility Uh, that leads to for for businesses to wanting and and being able to take on more of that of that responsibility for themselves. And I think overall people um, you know people millions of people's lives have been disrupted. Millions of Ukrainian women and children have left the country. I do think it makes a difference for a lot of the business leaders to think what should be the precondition in this country for them to come back. And if they think from, from that, if, if this becomes their goal, how to create a country to which all of these mothers and children can come and, and live, you know, in, in prosperity and safety, uh, that eventually leads to the fact that I cannot tolerate any more of that corruption. I cannot tolerate any more of those unjust court rulings. I cannot tolerate any more of that, you know, petty bribes or, or whatever. So, I hope that this is a, a sustained train, you know, kind of a trend that we're um, seeing.
1: You, you will, I guess, uh, probably also do a survey next year um, again with, with with the business leaders. Um, so, do you think the main findings of the survey would still be relevant, let's say, in in, in twelve months from now? Or um, also looking at the, I mean, at the moment it looks like, unfortunately, that the war will last for some time. So, where do you see um, Ukrainian businesses moving in terms of the dimensions that you measure in your in your survey?
2: I think that um, majority of the uh, conclusions and learnings that we are drawing this um, this year, they will still stand relevant. Um, I think there will be continuous focus on well thought out strategy and uh, extreme risk awareness. I think there will be major focus on how to sustain and develop brands as the customers' preferences and customer portraits are changing. I think. There will be even more need, even twelve months from now, or more from months from now, to have the flexibility to structure teams that are able to work from multiple locations under basically direst of circumstances, and uh, and be very diverse uh, and multifunctional, uh, where people can easily substitute each other in case someone cannot perform uh, their duties or, or or work because of obvious um, disruption that war brings. I think this open and regular communication between leadership and teams and and overall teams and organizations becoming much more flat and horizontal, um, I think that also is something that will continue to be um, a trend um, because it's so connected with with the other moments. And I think um, adapting to the most current requirements um, of the day from flexibility in consumer portraits, you know, I think this is something also that we will we'll stay on. It was, I think, Alexei Dvedenko, the owner from MedTechnica, which, which is the uh, retailer um, of uh, medical equipment. Um, you know, he, for example, said that c- the, the customer portrait has changed in, in what ways? And uh, he said, it it's reflects that, uh, imagine a, an entire nation, millions of people, dozens of millions of people becoming volunteers, So previously someone would have come to buy something for themselves, maybe for their mothers, maybe for their relatives, but now people are just coming to buy things for other people, people they don't know, but people that they need to donate to or to the military. Uh, So the purpose um, has changed, but the buyer's portrait has not necessarily, or for example, you know, um, again, buyer demand has not changed much, but but the purpose and the reasons for it have changed and and companies are going to have to adapt, you know, towards that. But I also think that um, in terms of uh, what I think will be critically important uh, is the scenario planning. We have seen too little of the detailed scenario planning among uh, the leaders that we've discussed. So it's great that they've had longer-term strategies, but the majority of them have recognized that they did not have uh, readiness for war in the sense that they were ready towards any particular scenario. And I think... um, I was, um, again, um, positively impressed by communicating with some of the business leaders that we've spoken to, and I hope we will showcase them and their cases in the, in the research that we will open to uh, to all um, uh, listeners and, and uh, uh, partners of Copenhagen Business School. It's the fact that, you know, with the Ukrainian companies now, you have companies that are ready for an even bigger invasion. That scenario is written out. They know what they're going to do if that happens. Some are ready for uh, the possibility of a nuclear strike. They know what's going to happen. They know what their employees will do in case that happens. You know, how many companies in the world can say that they have plans for this? So I think that very detailed scenario planning and then working with teams, not just to imagine it in an algorithm, but actually in your spirit, in your mindset, be able to be ready to face a challenge like that. That's what I think will stay relevant, unfortunately, because we don't have much optimism that what we're facing right now is going to simply disappear in a years time.
1: Thank you so much, um, Natalia. I think these are some, some very hard, but very, very relevant lessons, um, I think, that are equally important, I think, um, to, to European um, and uh, global business leaders um, around the world. Is there anything you would like to add? Um, or maybe you can also tell us a little bit on where we can find the results of the research. Um, you all have a website and, and the results of the research uh, will be published very soon.
2: Uh, that's right. There will be a landing where you you know people will, will have a chance to familiarize themselves with key statistics and uh, key quotes. Uh, and uh, you, you will also be able to download the full report. This year's report will be slightly different from the previous years. We felt that it was important to include almost like case studies of the companies because there was so much uh, interesting insight that was coming um, in with with every single uh, interview. So we invite um, companies um, and business leaders from different sectors, just find those that would resonate most with you. It could be per sector, sort of industry. But I think uh, there, there are loads of useful insights in how leaders have not just survived again, but um, have uh, sustained their teams and more more importantly, are optimistic about their future. Uh, So the 30, over 30 interviews that we have done, none of them are pessimistic. All of them are optimistic about their ability to go further. Um, So this is something I think we all can learn from.
1: Thank you very much. All the more reason for us to check out the website of One Philosophy Group, where these um, results will be made public. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Natalia. We really appreciate it. I think these were, as indicated, some really, really relevant lessons, um much beyond uh, Ukraine, but of course, with a strong focus on Ukraine and Let's end on, a, on, a, on an optimistic note that hopefully the war will be over soon. I wish you personally all the best and, of course, Ukraine also all the best for the future.
2: Thank you, Andres, and thank you for this partnership. It really means a lot to us. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of BOSS. Are you interested in learning more about our work? Then check out our website or follow our BOSS blog. The music featured in this podcast is by Crowender.